Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, from finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each podcast will consist of interviews with two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. Well, welcome to another episode of the Let's Get to Work podcast. This is Brooke Jostad, and I'm here with my lovely guest, Samantha Barrasso. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is really awesome. So I have heard a lot about you, and a lot of this has been your incredible acting ability. I, I know that you've kind of, you've had a, a versatile career in acting and music and in, in projects here and there, because I know every musician and actor is a starving artist that's had to do other side gigs. Truth. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's the worst. It really is, especially during the pandemic, during the horrible year that was 2020. It took a hit on a lot of people. Yeah. And so why don't I, I want to start by hearing, can you just give us a summary of all the musicals, if you can remember, all the musicals that you've starred in? Oh my goodness. So I did... <laughs> I I love I love you. You 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 hype me up and it's amazing because I feel very I feel very humbled to be in your presence. So I was in let's see. I started doing a couple musicals in middle school and high school from like just basic stuff like Bye Bye Birdie to Guys and Dolls uh to Into the Woods uh, where I played the uh, the role of Cinderella's mother and the voice of the giant. And in high school in high school was when I started doing uh, community theater, semi-professional. Uh, Family Theater Company is a company in Denver, Colorado, where I live, that that works with people with physical, emotional, mental disability, developmental disabilities, cognitive. And I was I started doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with them. Uh, I did The Wiz the following year. I did a play called Our Town, where I also had a supporting role in that. And then I did two more shows after that sideshow and Man of La Mancha took a break from theater, uh, did Fiddler on the Roof in college where I played the ghost from Sarah. And then I took another break for a little while to do some uh, to do some independence training. And then I just recently got back onto family stages in uh, their 30th anniversary concert, as well as their production of Chicago. And most recently before the pandemic, I toured, I actually went to Tokyo, Japan with Honk the Musical, also with family. So you traveled overseas, you took your career, you decided Colorado wasn't, uh, wasn't good enough. So you took your career overseas. <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> so you took your career to Tokyo, Japan, right before the pandemic. <laughs> yes, I did for about for about 10 days. It was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up once I found out about it. And I, I wasn't really doing anything job wise. I had just uh, returned back to Colorado and was still basically looking for side employment, as it were. Uh, while I was doing this and I found out that we were going to Tokyo and well, who could, who could pass that up? 
Right. And I, I had the honor of seeing you in that musical and um, you have an, you had an incredible voice and did Thank an incredible you so job much. Acting. Thank you. So I'm so glad, I'm so glad you got to see it. Uh, Cause that was, it, it had been a long time since you had seen me in a musical. So that, that was amazing to have you there. Tell me a little bit about your, um, what got you into acting, what got you into music theater and, and how, that has transformed throughout the different musicals that you've been a part of? I've been acting and singing since I could talk, basically. Uh, Anybody can, anybody who knows me well can vouch for that. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, my, my family's always been like, oh, you're very dramatic, you know, stuff, stuff like that. As a child, you were, you were ridiculously over the top with just the stuff that you would do. So I harnessed that into acting as I got into middle school and into high school. Um, I think the thing that has changed through the different music, I've learned something new in every musical I've been a part of. Uh, I was, I definitely came across, came across as the scared teenager when I was doing shows as a kid, because I didn't really have that much confidence in myself to move across stages, to do some of the dances. Of course, you know, being in a company of, of people with disabilities, you have choreographers who are going to be more inclusive and they're, you know, oh, you put your arm like this, you, you move your foot like this. And I, even as a teenager, I still wasn't confident in that. Uh, I, I didn't feel like I could do it. And after, honestly, after my hiatus from the stage, when I came back to it in Chicago, which is a very dance heavy show, that was when I felt like I really gained uh, my confidence. And I felt it even more when I did uh, auditions for a, a show. I'm actually about to be working on a hip hop production of Alice in Wonderland. And now I'm actually able to do dance callbacks as as a successful blind person. And it's it's been very helpful so far. That is great to hear. And as a blind person, I imagine there was a lot of those visual nuances that that you weren't sure if you were doing correctly. Tell me a little bit more about how you've been able to grow in confidence as a blind dancer. I started in high school. So I, of course, started really learning dancing from the the choreographers at family. Uh, thanks to them, I was really able to get that confidence up. But then I went to high school. And as we all know, high school is a completely different world altogether. And just the, the, the inaccessible world as it is. Um, I had a choreographer, a theater teacher tell me that she couldn't help me with the choreography. She had to cast a show. So I was basically floundering around um, with uh, the help of a senior in high school. And I really appreciate her for helping. But it was it was hard. It was I, I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. I didn't feel like I had you know that much that much assistance with it and nor did I have a grip with it and of course I did not get cast in that show and you know my my confidence grew under the tutelage of uh Debbie who is our amazing chore one of our amazing lead choreographers but then as I got as I got older I think just my confidence being out in the world as a blind adult was what really helped me to 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 gain that confidence as a as a dancer and you know 
allowing people to help me as a teenager. I was really headstrong and really stubborn. And now I'm allowing people to help me. I'm recording the choreography rehearsals. That has been a huge help. Writing stuff down has been a great help as well. So just having it, it really takes, I mean, we say it with raising children. I'm also a, I've also been a preschool TA. It takes a village and it definitely, you know, takes a village to help just to help somebody out in general. So I'm really grateful for that. I, I notice you, you maybe humble yourself a little too much and give yourself a little less of the credit, but it sounds like you've had to push yourself too. And and really challenge yourself. And you're yet very grateful to everyone else who supported you in that. And now here you are doing dances on global stages. <laughs> so have there been ever moments when you felt like your disability, your blindness was gonna keep you from theater? Uh, just the one I talked, really okay. more specifically, the one I talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and I had, I had someone in my life who, took every opportunity to put me down at every at every chance and you know he would always even say in in the small scope of family oh you're never going to you're never going to make it as a lead role you will always be the ensemble and i was one of the supporting the uh supporting roles in in honk most recently so i i i can he was absolutely wrong i can do it and not only not only that it's just it's that growing the confidence in yourself to know that to know that you can to know that you can actually do it when when people have told you for many years that you can't one of my one of my biggest not regrets but i really wish that i had majored in theater or musical theater in college uh i didn't go that route because i was afraid of the dancing mm -hmm. but I, I went the music vocal performance route as is actually what I did instead. But I really wish that I had gone to school for, for, for theater because I feel like I would have gotten a lot more out of that. But I mm. just didn't think I was a competent enough dancer. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you, and it sounds like you got told by sighted people that yes. you couldn't do it for a long Absol time. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was. Sounds like you're now telling them that not only can you do it, but you have and you'll continue to do it. Absolutely. I think one of the things that's really helped me right now that I, I, I feel like I need to shamelessly plug. I'm so sorry if that's not allowed, but uh, there is a blind ballet instructor named Krishna Washburn. And she is fantastic. I've been taking intro to ballet classes with her to just kind of revamp my steps to relearn everything that I learned in high school with somebody who is actually willing to teach me and explain and describe everything. Dark room ballet to follow her. She's amazing. And I recommend anybody who is interested in dancing or just in any movement whatsoever, please reach out to her and sign up for one of her classes. They are absolutely amazing. So you have other blind mentors, the ballet instructor and others who have helped and who build this career. Um, as absolutely. Not a sighted dominated career and it doesn't need to be. It's and it's really nice to find to find a blind mentor. I've had a lot of a, a lot of blind figures that I've looked up to in this arena, but never, you know, never a blind mentor in in dancing. So mm -hmm. this is really incredible. 
So tell us a little bit more about the other starving artist side jobs that you've done. You kind of alluded to the to preschool TAing. Tell us about that and some of the other things you've endeavored as you've pursued your career. I have been an appointment booker for an acting and modeling agency in New York City. Um, I unfortunately did not last in New York for very long for uh, extenuating circumstances beyond my control, but honestly i i would be there now if if i if i could i i loved it there i loved working there even if it was just a side hustle for now um i've been a factory worker in uh in a workshop mm -hmm. that was not a job i would ever do again but <laughs> got to do what you got to uh, do <laughs> exactly you got you got to do you got to do what you got to do to get by um I and back to the now the TA I have also been a voice teacher at a music school that has been one of my most rewarding uh side jobs I've been doing that for off and on for about 5 years now mm -hmm. I would love to have a private studio of my own it's just the you know the marketing and getting on that with the pandemic everybody's doing it as well every singer is looking for voice students mm -hmm. um and then most recently i got to be a preschool ta working with blind kids at a preschool for the blind in denver and that's been an absolute joy it, it lasted way too short and just with the pandemic they had to let a lot of the tas go Mm -hmm. um because we lost a lot of students being a lot being that a lot of our number are high risk kids mm -hmm. but that was that was a lot of fun i was starting to learn diapers and cpr you know i never got to i never got to finish that training because we were sent you know we were sent home mm -hmm. but it was really great i got to work in a bi bilingual classroom with kids with not only blindness but other disabilities as well uh mainly uh nonverbal autism and that was that was a really great challenge for me it, like especially being totally blind that was amazing to be able to foster relationships with them you know on a completely different level that honestly like precedes speech yeah yeah so all of these things have been in conjunction while you were as far as what I understand is you were also doing musicals while you were a yes. um, preschool TA, right? Yes. A lot of uh, a lot of the rehearsals are in the evenings. Working by and day and rehearsing by night. Basically, <laughs> it's 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 a difficult life. You don't make you don't make a lot of money doing it. I'm just going to be perfectly honest, unless you have a really amazing side job or mm -hmm. day job, but it's absolutely worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't work evenings. Your weekends are sometimes de depending on what company you're with. Your weekends are sometimes devoted to rehearsals. So are your evenings. I've lost complete summers. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride, but it's definitely been worth it. Yeah, so you would be working with kids, going to musicals, this kind of thing, all up until the pandemic. And I'd like to hear a little bit about, even though I know it's a sad story, it's a true story. What, how did the pandemic impact you and other artists? It it was really, really hard, uh, especially because uh, we were coming off of the euphoria of coming back from Japan. I had just returned about a month before lockdown. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, yeah, returned and went about a month before lockdown. And we were, we had just had auditions for Alice in Wonderland. We had just cast the show. Uh, and then, and then locked out. We were supposed to have our first meeting. Uh, I don't even remember when, and then lockdown happened. So we were in constantly in email communications. Uh, hey, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but this is, you know, just keep staying at home, keep social distancing the whole nine yards. We did end up having a first meeting, I believe in March, just kind of to meet everybody to say that we didn't know what was going to happen, but we would kind you know that they would be in touch we would have another meeting a few weeks later to say that alice had in fact been postponed till summer of 2021 and so here we are at least with that what we were able to do was workshop the alice script since it is an original script um we did that last summer for about three weeks in June. So that was really nice. Family also did some online play, re hosted some online play readings via Google Meet and Zoom. That was also really helpful J just to keep people's morale going. Um, the pandemic did not come without a cost, though family is good financially. Unfortunately, being in a theater company with people with disabilities, you run the risk of losing people to illnesses, to mm. disabilities, to, and uh, we lost one of our own, uh, Lucy Rucius, who has been acting with family since 1990, 1991. Um, she had young onset Parkinson's, was not supposed to even make it this far, and she passed away peacefully earlier this year at the age of 61, uh, not COVID-related. But that was th that has been a big hit. She was supposed to be in Alice as the dodo bird, and it's just it's been it's been weird knowing that she's not just going to come back to any of the shows. She has been such a big presence in family throughout the decades. Uh, so that was the biggest hit I think that that family took as a company. As for other artists, I know a lot of people have had to ask you know you know ask for help. I, I myself have had to do it uh, from the uh, Denver Arts and Affairs Committee. It's been it's it's been really rough. A lot of people in this theater community have not had stable income. Musicians, artists, performers, actors. None of us have had any stability since last year in the way of finances. Mm -hmm. And that has been that's been the scariest part, especially for me. I have been on the employment hunt for the last about this will be 12 months hmm. and it has been it's it's been demoralizing all honestly it's been like another job yeah looking and uh, yeah looking for jobs is a whole nother job and it hasn't come without interviews i've gotten a lot of interviews so it's it's interesting how people want to say that oh people are lazy and not trying no there are definitely people out here trying and getting interviews those companies just don't necessarily want to hire us for whatever reason mm -hmm. and so you know i'm hearing this story that you're that you're telling and i i can understand how demoralizing the last year has been for you and so many other artists whether blind or not disabled or not yeah. it's just been overnight it was like a whole scene was just 
cut out of the world. Uprooted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely uprooted. And yet I hear you tell me you wouldn't trade it. And I want, I want to hear more about that. Um, you know, what advice would you give other people and what is it that keeps you going? The advice question is difficult because I really don't know at this point um, because I am, I am trying, I'm one of those people that realize that I can't do a job that I absolutely can't stand. Mm-hmm. I realized that about myself very recently. So I'm really trying hard to look for jobs that I am going to be happy and supported in. As blind people, I think we need to find the anybody needs to find that, but especially as blind people, because trying to find work for us is so difficult with the statistics being what they are. And I think my advice is just keep looking and don't feel bad for taking breaks while you're looking for work because that can't just be your life. It was my life for a while and it was unenjoyable mm-hmm. because I i mean, we haven't had anything to do for the last year. So it's kind of had to be my life. Um, as to what keeps me going, honestly, what has been keeping me going was the knowledge that Alice was going to happen and now that it's upon us, it's just like, okay, I can I can coast through this. I can be tired during the day and rehearse during it er, and rehearse during the evening. I can apply to jobs in the morning or in the afternoon when I when I wake up or while I'm on breaks and rehearsals. I can I can do all that. Um so I think that has what has been that's what's been really, really keeping me going. Mm-hmm. Cause it's been, it's been hard. I won't even, I won't lie. Mm-hmm. So as things open up, you're finding the silver linings where you can, um, yeah. pushing Basically. yourself where you can. Yeah. And, and that's really why I wanted you to tell this, this story, you know, your career is, it, it, it took a hit during the pandemic, but it's coming back and, and you're building again. Um, and I think that's a really real story for a lot of people. So, and your confidence has built. So if, if there are, there are people listening that are interested in acting, they're, they're blind, they're interested in music and acting. And one thing you said is you kind of wish you had majored in acting. Do you have any advice for young adults, um, or young students that are blind and are wondering if they can even be in this field? I have a story actually to answer that question. Uh, And it's not even to, it's not even this field specific. In high school, I took an advanced placement music theory class. I will not, I will not hide the fact that I am absolutely terrible, have always been terrible at reading braille music. I can't do it. I've tried five times since probably the time I was eight. I still can't do it. I, I don't know why. I was told by someone older than me, someone who I actually trusted with their advice, and they had been, you know, mentoring me a lot as a child with helping me with learning note takers and and braille displays and stuff like that. He said, you should just drop the class now. You're never going to pass it. I didn't because I didn't know braille music and I failed. And you're going to fail too. So you should drop it. 
he even was telling teachers in my district uh, about about this. And I was honestly a little bit offended by that because I I knew that I couldn't read Braille music. I still signed up for the class anyway because I can't write Braille music either. So there's got to be some sort of system. Uh, my theory teacher and I came up with a method of writing it on the computer and I worked hard at it all year and I got the highest score of five on the AP music theory test at the end of the year. So don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something without, you know, without, without knowing your abilities first. Um, Reach out because I the, the look the theater world is really really cruel. I also won't lie about that. Reach out to other disabled actors. There are so many people you can network with that I even just found out about. I took a uh, virtual theater class uh, for with Queens Theater called Theater for All last year. They are an absolutely fantastic resource. I got to network with a lot of people. Um, like I said, just just network. There are theater disability groups on Facebook that you can join and then you can ask questions. So I think that's the best advice I have to give to you. And of course, any anybody able-bodied that you feel like you can trust. And that's why I say that because the theater world is, it's, it's really, really callous and really cruel if you have a disability. Uh, as as Kathleen Trailer, one of the founders of Family, always says, they can get a life-sized elephant onto the stage, but getting a wheelchair on or a blind person, it baffles them. And it's true. Uh, I was, you know, even in a, even in a Denver women's chorus, which was a flagship of an LGBTQ organization, uh, didn't know how they were going to get a blind person when she first joined. Uh, onto their stage so it's <laughs> it's uh, it's really bad but it's all about educating you know educate when you can but don't always feel like you have to because people will be mean and decide whether you want to actually deal with that or not I think that's the other best advice that I can that I can give somebody who is just starting out in music in theater in any type of performance art well, I really appreciate all this advice, and I, I, I really think that listeners can benefit from hearing that, yeah, it's not always rosy. No, it's not. Thank you so much for, for inviting me on here. I really appreciate doing this. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining and, and being willing to be vulnerable about your stories. Of course. Of, of It's... It's what we do as artists, honestly. <laughs> I wish I could put that in a different way, but it's so true. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, work it.